Hi, welcome to episode 18 of Talk About the Passion. How you doing? Good? That's good. Uh, apologies for the unannounced break. Uh, I took a, a brief break from releasing new episodes to uh, catch up on life a little. But here I am again with a brand new episode. Uh, I have a few uh, done already and I'm scheduled to record three over the next week and a half. So uh, the ball is certainly still rolling over here. And uh, speaking of that, I'd like to uh, just take a second to thank all of the uh, guests who have been on here so far. Um, every one of you has been a unique and you know great guest. And obviously if it wasn't for you, this... Uh, podcast wouldn't be very interesting so uh thanks for taking time out of your life to hang out and do this with me uh talk about the passion is on social media if you search for talk about the passion podcast you should be able to find me on facebook uh instagram and twitter same goes for uh wherever you listen to your podcasts you can find me there and subscribe if you like what you hear and then you won't miss any new episodes also, if you or someone you know would like to be on this podcast, please send me a message on uh, Facebook or Twitter, and we can set something up. Okay, so let's get to today's episode. Uh, Jonah Jenkins is a friend I was hoping to get on here at some point, and uh, he was kind enough to invite me over to his place to talk about music. And uh, if you're not familiar with uh, the bands Jonah's been in, I definitely recommend uh, all of them. Uh, the most famous one is is most definitely Only Living Witness, who released uh, two great records and a, a few seven inches. Uh, to me, to me, they were like a perfect marriage of hardcore and metal. Uh, and you know, his vocals and lyrics on those releases are, are pretty awesome. And uh, Milligram are another one. Uh, I'd recommend their entire catalog. They have uh, two full lengths and a couple of EPs. Their record, uh, this is class. This is class war. Is a uh, that's that's probably a top five record from Boston for me easily. Uh, just it's just just one of those records that runs you over and punches you in the face repeatedly. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty awesome album. Milltown uh, has some music you can find online, mostly on uh, YouTube, and uh, they did a, a pretty awesome cover of uh, "Jumping Someone Else's Train" by The Cure. Uh, and uh, Jonah gets into what happened with that band and those recordings as well as uh, the other projects he's been involved in. Uh, the, the current band he's had for uh, quite a while now is uh, Raw Radar War, who are just this loud, angry, in-your-face, you know, hardcore band that, you know, to me reminds me of uh, Discharge, Celtic Frost, Siege, Septic Death, that, that kind of stuff. You get the picture. And they, they actually do a pretty amazing cover of uh, Just Sit There by the Crumb Suckers. All right, so let me stop there and uh, just get to this episode. So thanks for listening, and uh, here's me and uh, Jonah Jenkins. Thanks. So I'm here with my friend uh, Jonah Jenkins, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, music and uh, life and, and whatever else. And uh, so, uh, where where did you grow up, sir? I grew up in uh, Southern New Hampshire, um, yeah. in a little town called Litchfield. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, a mile wide and 14 miles long, right along the Merrimack River, mm-hmm. uh, nestled between glorious Manch Vegas and uh, <laughs> Hudson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh, pretty much a farming community, and uh, didn't have our own high school or our own post office so we kind of went to Hudson for that yeah 
And uh, what did you do for uh, entertainment there as a, as a kid? Uh, got harassed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Skateboarded. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I lived in Hudson for a bit, so I lived near a, a nice big parking lot where I could skateboard very poorly and yeah. uh, listen to music and uh, just escape reality. Yeah. Uh, I worked at a nearby um, uh, tennis club called Topspin. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I would just have my headphones on all the time and... I think that was actually where I first saw, for instance, the uh, the video for the cult. Uh, she sells sanctuary, and that, oh, was, yeah. that was pretty game changing for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, so way early on, did you? How did you get into music? Did you have? Yeah, my mom uh, was a musician. Um, uh, starting at age, I don't know, fifteen, sixteen, she started a band called The Girls um, out in Westboro, Mass. And um, she's always a vocalist, and uh, so she collected a bunch of records, and she was in a bunch of bands, and um, she uh, ended up like her most prestigious things were like singing in Europe as a soloist, but also, uh, she, um, was, um, Jonathan Richmond's vocal coach, um, after, oh, wow. when, uh, after the modern lovers, uh, started to catch some, you know, get some momentum going. Um, she was friends with all those folks. And then, you know, when they broke up, she kind of stayed friends with Jonathan all those years. And, um, yeah, um, that she always played records for me, sang to me. Um, and I remember being four years old and her playing, you know, rubber soul for me. Yeah. And, uh, first time I ever heard you know any song in another language so Michelle became one of my oh, favorite yeah. songs <laughs> yeah yeah uh just I remember singing along to a lot of those songs and and just uh, really good memories my parents also had a um a big uh funny custom van with, yeah you know rug on the inside and right right bed and a fridge and an awesome eight track player and right. speakers in the back so they were blasting stuff like the cars um, yeah cars first album and whatever um probably some of the dead and yeah. sabbath and Charlie Daniels band or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Lots yeah. of sticks. I remember <laughs> Alan Parsons project. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, and then I got all their records when, when they didn't want them anymore. Right. So I was playing the Beatles and the beach boys and yeah. you know, whatever else I could get. And then, uh, I remember one time they changed it up on me a little bit. They, I think they, they bought me a human league cassette and I was like, oh, I don't wow. know what that's about, but yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, you know, men at work and, Huey Lewis and all this stuff the little kid likes. Right. Billy Idol, I think, was a game changer back then. And then I didn't have an old, any older brother get me into, like, you know, um, any of the harder music for right. a long time. So yeah. I think the, the first time I really liked heavy music was probably because I saw Twisted Sister and, you know, Ozzy. And, you yeah, know, yeah. I, to me, uh, Sabbath were just a, kind of a hippie band because my parents were hippies. Right. And I didn't understand that there was more going on there. Yet, right, you right. Know? And uh, it was probably just like, you know, we'd listen to an album and then it would just change over to the next one. They, right. They weren't like, this is important. You need to pay yeah, attention yeah. to this. Right, right. And um, same thing happened with Zeppelin. I, I didn't really like Zeppelin for a long time because right. I didn't like Robert Plant's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I thought it was just heavy music, you know. Right. Later on in life, I you know went back to revisit all that stuff, and I, I learned a lot. Yeah. Was there like any early records that like were game changers? Like you said, yeah. Rubber Soul. Yeah, Rubber Soul was absolutely game changer for me. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, and even the first, you know, I mean, uh, even the. Um, John Lennon solo record, you know, right when he died, that was that was oh, yeah. kind of a big deal in, in my household because my parents loved him, and you know, I remember my mom crying, and we just listened to that record incessantly after that, you know. Yeah. And then um, I don't know, as far as like uh, um, really important records, it's it's hard to say exactly which ones. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. were they were pro- it was kind of a big mess of music, and maybe Jay Giles band like Bloodshot that yeah. was that was a game changer for yeah. me. It was kind of like this energetic thing. I didn't. I couldn't quite classify it. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember when people were referring to stuff like Duran Duran as just being like, you know, a little bit too, 
you know, risque for radio. Right, right, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, or even Prince, that kind of stuff. I remember hearing those songs and being right. like, oh, there's other stuff out there that's not on the radio all the time. <laughs> you know, I remember being really young and, and taping the uh, American Top 40, like, every week as if there was going to be a big difference. I oh, right, it took right. me a while to realize that I'm just taping the same songs <laughs> right, over right. and over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I was actually kind of excited to have you on because... I've done almost 20 episodes of this, and none of them have mentioned the first Boston album, which is... Oh, yeah, that, re- that record was, our... was a game changer, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, that, that playlist that we were just talking about, my, my uh, Spotify playlist, yeah. had to put that as the first one on there. Yeah. That 8-track that was probably played more than any... That and The Cars, I think yeah. those two records were played oh, yeah. pretty, probably more than any other records in the yeah. whole collection. And it just, I mean, that first Boston record is... Timeless. It's, yeah, it's it brings me back to yeah, all, a lot of that stuff too. Brings me back to like maybe like eighty, eighty one, like 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 the Jay Giles band yeah. and the Cars and absolutely and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yep. So, but yeah, the first Boston album is incredible, and I'll, I'll, I'll put on the second one every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, it's pretty good yeah, too. Yeah, that's that. good. Um, but I remember uh, fast forward a bit, but being interviewed for I think Boston Ro- Boston Rock. Yeah. Um, friend of mine was asking me questions i think he thought he was going to stump me or make me feel foolish when he said uh you know um well are, are your lyrics pretentious and i said well yeah of course they are and right. he laughed he laughed like incessantly right, right. he just would not stop laughing you just said your music, your lyrics are pretentious yeah everybody's music is pretentious right. boston wasn't dancing in the streets of hyannis right <laughs> exactly <laughs> they just weren't right <laughs> uh but like i feel like it's it's important for people to realize that you know, you can you might write a song once and play it once, and yeah, you have this really visceral, you know, attachment to it, and maybe right. some of that gets brought up next time you play it. Yeah. But it's never exactly the same. Right. So you're always kind of channeling something or playing a part or or even even you know the most realistic blues musician. Sure, yes, probably has a lot of heart and soul in that, but it's still pretense. They're still yeah. writing a song about like over intellectualizing something. Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. Um. What were some of the the places where you would discover stuff as you got older? Like, uh, like I remember MTV was. Sort yeah, of I didn't have MTV. I had V sixty six. Yeah, we didn't even have a color TV until I was in high school. So, yeah. uh, I just like you know sit there and flip around the UHF channels. And yeah. when we discovered V sixty six, that was a big deal. Yeah, definitely the radio. We also we also lived, you know, in New Hampshire. We could still get um, college radio. Yeah. So as soon as we realized we could we could listen to college radio, that was a big deal for me and my friends. Yeah. Um, I remember um, Night Flight was a big source of um, music yeah. for us. One of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. You know, first time seeing um, Social Distortion on there and yeah. Chromags and yeah. all kinds of like just movies that like the beat with Chromags in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another State of Mind was on there. Erga Music War. Yeah. First, first time I ever heard Dead Kennedys was on Erga Music War. Yeah. That kind of stuff was just that was <laughs> very mind expanding. Yeah. And yeah. I remember at the time saying, "Boy, I really hate his voice, but those guitars sound awesome." Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and did, so, did you start sort of? poking around into the punk and yeah. sort of alternative stuff yeah, absolutely and then we had you know me and uh, my good friend dave monaghan um we we would just like start seeking stuff out went to Rock, rocket records um, yeah. friends at school lent me some records i still have some of those you know had to give some of the most valuable ones back but yeah, you know, yeah. but yeah. that was stuff like you know like all the early dks all yeah. you know minor threat black flag um just so i got this and and misfits earth ad like uh, it, I got this just dump of all the stuff. Yeah. And uh, uh, my, one of my favorites, of course, was definitely the Boston LA comp. I couldn't get enough of that one. Yeah. It was just this incredibly concise um, gateway into what was, at the time, 
the fastest thing I'd ever heard in my entire yeah, life. Yeah. Like all these bands that could really pull it off and still be interesting. I remember being really young, getting into punk rock and thinking that every band was straight edge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where I got that idea of it. Right. I think it's because I was introduced to Minor Threat and Black Flag and stuff first. And yeah. I kind of perceived that. And yeah. Obviously, it was never true, but... Um, but I was, you know, straight edge for a long time, you know, straight until I drank. <laughs> um, but right. th- that was like a, a good identity to sort of um, hang on to for yeah, a bit definitely. while, while you know, going through the, the, the problems of being an adolescent. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, coming from a household where, you know, it was good to be straight edge. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and all those, and when you think about it, all those bands on that comp or mm-hmm. i don't think any of those were straight no not at all that's maybe john and astis right uh, yeah exactly decadence but yeah and i of course i i perceived them all to be straight edge when i first listened to it and <laughs> yeah, then of yeah. course when i then i got i think uh the um i ended up uh, buying the first uh, freeze full length and i was like oh this is they're definitely not straight edge. oh yeah yeah i know right yeah yeah <laughs> never mind like I, I wasn't talking to anybody who actually knew them so i right, didn't right. have any any idea yeah. and then rubber reaction too i was like wow yeah all right yeah um, but yeah, the freeze is definitely one of my favorites on there and, yeah. and in Boston in general. Yeah. And, uh, do you remember the, the first punk show that you, yeah, um, it was, uh, for a, a group called nervous disorders and they played at a VFW hall in Nashua. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were, I think they did a cover of, uh, uh, Jim Carroll's, uh, people who died. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, definitely a, a, a unique experience cause it was just a bunch of freaks in this, yeah. in this space. Fortunately it was all ages, but, um, you know people just who I realized looked the way I dressed and you know yeah. I, I could actually go and talk about music with them I didn't feel like a freak yeah and uh then uh, as soon as anybody had a license in my circle of friends and we'd start coming down to Boston and go yeah. to shows yeah um first big um punk rock show that I went to like uh I guess well the, the next one after that was it wasn't big but it was a few times over and it was um Five Balls of Power. Oh, yeah. So, you know. New Hampshire, man. Yeah. Right? yeah. And guitar player ended up uh, being in Scissor Fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of completely forgot. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, but it was on, uh, It was also with a band called PDA, who were just like this weird punk, hardcore punk, you yeah. know, kind of sloppy band. Yeah. Public display of affection. Yeah. And then um, a, a really awful band called VFW, which stood for Very Fucking White. I remember that. Well, yeah. I remember I saw that band maybe once. Oh, yeah. I went to one show up in New Hampshire early on, and I think The Scam was, was oh, one yeah. of the bands. They were great. Yeah, they were awesome. Uh, but, I, but I remember that VFW. Yeah, I was like, what the hell's going on here? Right. <laughs> we were just little kids. We weren't about to, you know, right. even bring it up with them. Yeah, they were yeah. big skinhead dudes right, compared right. to us, you know? Yeah. But then after that, we ended up going to shows in Boston, saw like, you know, I don't know, Bottle Surfers and yeah. Bad Brains and... Um, Circle Jerks at um, Brandeis. And oh, yeah. That, that was, was the first time I ever saw a slap shot yeah. um, with moving targets. I didn't really enjoy moving targets at the time, but yeah. obviously I, I learned to like them. Yeah. And we were we were actually laughing about slap shot because we were calling them slap jock. We didn't realize that they were... <laughs> slap jock. Yeah, they just seemed so jockey. Yeah, no, know? definitely. And uh, we were, you know, skaters or punks or whatever. Right. And, um, I remember just stage diving like crazy at that show because I had no idea what, what it meant to do that. Right. And uh, I was literally just jumping off the stage and landing on the ground. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's the gymnasium at yeah. Brandeis. So yeah. st- <laughs> you know, you're jump- I was probably jumping 15 feet in the air, right. landing yeah, on yeah. my knees and stuff. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> and I remember uh, Luke was there. Yeah. Um, um, Glenn from Wrecking Crew was there. Yeah. Um, Wrecking Machine was there. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Lloyd was there. He got pretty badly hurt at that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a whole new world to me. I was yeah. like, whoa, wow. Um, fun show though. Yeah. And then uh, you started a zine at one point. Yeah. So I ended up getting a job at a record store uh, in Nashua. Um, and uh, uh, around that same time, um, Dan McNamara and I uh, had been talking about doing a fanzine. Yeah. And um, it worked out really well because what I couldn't get for promo from you know just from writing to people and saying please send us your records i could usually get from the store yeah because i was right. an indie buyer too yeah. so like i we i remember getting the very first earache releases and stuff yeah. like that and, and just being blown away that i could take the cassette out of the out of the holder because they didn't they didn't shrink shrink rack them yeah, back yeah. then and I, you could just listen to it and go yeah. oh yeah of course i want this yeah and i could yeah. do the same thing for people when they walked in the store yeah so i was like <laughs> this little promotion you know machine just trying to trying to tell people about all the music yeah yeah and the zine was uh, called look again because we really wanted to get people to sort of open their minds a little bit um we all had really eclectic tastes yeah i think um for all the all four years or all four issues that we did the zine at least one of us had like sade on on yeah, our like top our 10 list, list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then uh probably talk talk along with yeah. you oh know, yeah they were great you know bolt thrower and autopsy yeah yeah you know <laughs> hardcore and punk whatever yeah well, that's that's good to hear too, because a lot of zines kind of stayed in one yeah. thing, and if you put anything, you know, right. even metal at some points, they'd be like, I don't want, you know. Yep, yep. And I, you know, I've had I've gone through purist phases in my yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> understanding of music, and it's good to I think challenge that and challenge it kind of politely, so you can say, hey, well, you know, the the, the motto of that zine was, um, it doesn't suck, you just don't like it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so you were able to start interviewing some of the, the bands that you were listening to. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah, that that was nice. We got to once people realized that, you know, there was this whatever crappy little fanzine and our, our circulation was actually halfway decent and uh, making like a thousand copies. Um, uh, people would actually, you know, send us promos and we could actually talk to bands. Yeah. I, mean, I remember interviewing Neurosis at Bunratty's when they were opening for, I think, five straight edge bands. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> was, that was funny. Yeah. At least they got to, you know wrap up their gear and put it right, away real right. quick. But yeah, yeah. I remember talking to them out in the van and then, you know, it was a word is law tour. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, they were super nice people. Yeah. And they were actually very polite about the fact that they were opening for five straight edge bands, but we were like, what the hell is going on with you? <laughs> like, that is just sad, right. you know? Yeah. But uh, they, they schooled everybody, obviously, and, oh, yeah. and just uh, proceeded to have a great career after that. Yeah. And I think they're pretty much the same lineup, too. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, point. it's amazing. Um, and then you, you probably started to see, too, like in the just the hardcore scene, Mm-hmm. People are approachable and, yep, and absolutely, like yeah. artists and stuff. So that's yeah. I think that was always one of the things that turned me onto it was absolutely my heroes were they, they weren't heroes anymore. They were just yep. oh that's just that, that's yep you know choke from Slapshot. He's right, things in that <laughs> manner, like, but yeah. he's not you know <laughs> it's not Robert Plant who like if I saw I'd be like yeah. So that that was always a, a cool thing. To yeah, and I think uh, we were talking right before we turned on the microphone, but like people like Charlie Infection definitely. I mean, obviously, to to anybody outside of Boston, he might that that name might not mean anything, but he was a, a proponent of, you know, sort of eclectic appreciation of music, and yeah. he'd always had a great collection of stuff to to buy. But he was also very approachable, and, and oh, yeah. he'd talk about sweetest anything. guy in the world. Yeah, he's su- super fan about everything in his distro. He wasn't just like hawking right, crap. Right. Oh know? yeah, yeah. He knew. Yep. And Finnish hardcore and yeah, stuff from yeah. all over the world and yep. stuff, and so he he was definitely yeah. You're right with he should be. Yeah, sort of one of these Boston <laughs> hardcore yeah. sort of legend guys, yeah. if you want Absolutely. to use that word. Right. 
And I mean, definitely Keith Bennett was like approachable. I couldn't believe that I could talk yeah, to the bass yeah, player. You know, I was like, yeah. hey, man, I, I'm psyched to see a guy with long hair. And, right, you know, right. I mean, I was, I had a shaved head at the time, but I was like, this is, this is great. You know, like just interesting to, to, to be able to relate to somebody and, and talk about hardcore and punk rock and metal and all at the same sentence. And yeah, when, yeah. when, for a while, obviously, there was a lot of, sort of factionalized um, yeah. violence or oh, yeah. you know, like people would try to beat up the metal head right, or right. something like that yeah. um, or vice versa. Yeah. If a skinhead ever went to a Slayer show, forget it. Like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the one that uh, that I remember when him and Greg Delaria yep. started showing up at shows. Totally. And these are, you know, Boston guys that yeah. uh, if you're from Boston, you definitely know who these guys are. Yeah. That's when I sort of was like, oh, it's okay to still... Because I, I remember I sort of went from metal right to hardcore, and I was like, all right, I can't let anyone know I used to love yeah, Iron right. Maiden. So, yeah, yeah. But they sort of made that okay. Right. And then the music started sort of mixing, too. And yep. that was sort of a great period of, of music, I think. Absolutely. And I, there's a lot of metal that I didn't enjoy <laughs> because it was too operatic, or I didn't understand like why they were wasting so much time with those guitar solos, that kind of thing. So, right, right. Um, it, it also gave me a chance to talk to people who had a much better understanding of what, what good metal was. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, if I put on an, an Exciter record uh, back then, I was like, oh, this is horrible. You know? <laughs> right, right. But then when I was able to talk to people like like the dudes in Formicide, about, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, those those guys, you know, we, again, we we talked to them mainly because the fanzine and stuff like that, we were reviewing their tapes and they yeah. appreciated it, but you could talk to them at a show and then, um, you know, when I had a discussion about Holy Terror or something like that, right, they were, right. They were like, yeah, well, yeah, they know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, they came from Agent Steel and blah blah blah. Wow, nice to have some some context for my appreciation for this record, you know. Right, and uh, so you ended up uh, starting to play music at one point. Uh, yeah, that's actually, um, uh, uh, I guess, somewhat related to that last point. Uh, so I was in a band um, with some some dudes up in New Hampshire who, I, who I used to go to their shows all the time just because they played, they had some good riffs and stuff. Right, um, they were kind of almost like a death band, death metal band. Um, they were called Blind Surgeon. They used to play with Atomicost, and they mm-hmm. played with uh, Formicide and stuff. Um, that the same similar circles. Yeah. Um, and they asked me to sing on one of their tapes. Um, and you know, really good dudes. I just yeah. didn't like the name of the band, and I wanted to leave because of that. Right. We did record one demo, and it didn't get released, but uh, it's been traded a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, uh, after that, band split up. Um, well, we had a, we played a couple shows actually. This is also related to the record store I worked at because. Um, the guy wanted to do some promo for his record store, so he pulled up a flatbed truck in the middle yeah. of Seminole Plaza in Nashua. And oh, like, really? Yeah, all the old folks came out with their lawn chairs and stuff, <laughs> and they thought, oh, it was a free concert. Nice. And it was uh, us and hearing impaired. Oh, wow. Blind surgeon and hearing impaired. Yeah. <laughs> so like anybody who rode a skateboard or had yeah, a, yeah. You know, a tattoo or long hair, <laughs> short hair, whatever, uh, it was just every freak in the city and surrounding area came to that show because yeah. they just didn't have shows. Yeah, you know? yeah. So... Um, that went well, and, uh, and and one of the dudes from Formosa had actually seen me at that and, and said uh, to, um, uh, so that was Kevin Stevenson yeah. from the Shods and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, he was also in Formicide. When, when uh, he told his brother, hey, uh, we should check out this kid for, for maybe vocals, Eric said, yeah, why don't you come down and bring the, bring the Blind Surgeon demo. So um, we went down to the Stevenson's uh, house and just popped a cassette in their, in their player, and yeah. before, like, before like the first song had even really gotten underway they're like oh yeah you, you you're in the band so <laughs> nice. um we started to play together and they i learned a lot from those guys because they were obviously actual musicians and right right like we could uh it was you know like total education for me yeah yeah um pushed my limits quite a bit because yeah. i didn't have any training i just had a lot of you know 
interest in making music and I loved music and I just wanted it to happen. Um, but I mean that back then I would like, I would just yell so hard I couldn't breathe. I would end right. up with bloody noses from pra- <laughs> practice and stuff just from not breathing properly. Right. Yeah. That was, that was going to be my question. If you had yeah. ever had uh, training cause yeah, no vocals on the only language witness stuff is, is great. And, Appreciate uh, that. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. It's uh no, that just was trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever did you play any instruments or anything? Or not well enough to play them on stage, you know, like yeah, I'd yeah. pick something up and, and plunk away at it and maybe like get some ideas for something. But I, I have always um, deferred to the musicians as far as like playing because I, I feel like you make better music when you can listen to each other. And yeah, yeah. if you had one person that, you know, is, is kind of driving everything, it, it can be, um, I, my, I tend to be very opinionated and I knew that if I had a guitar in my hand and I wanted to write a song, I might start telling people how to write songs and I'd right. rather get their input. It's much, you make a much stronger product when, when the end result is much stronger when you get more input you get more information in there. So I'd rather collaborate. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that can be difficult, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it definitely you end up with a better product. Uh, right. And ironically it, it's helped me in my actual like work life. Cause that's kind of what I do now is get people to listen to each other and right. you know, not, uh, not freak out because we're, we're all working towards a similar goal. Right. Right. And uh, so this would have been the beginning of Only Living Witness. Exactly, yeah. So Witness formed around uh, late 89, 90, mm-hmm. early 90. And um, we used to practice in Wally World up in Lowell. Yeah. Um, and uh, practice right next to uh, Cardinal Sin. Mm-hmm. Um, a few other bands were in there. Uh, and then, um, let's see. Yeah, we, we did a demo, uh, sent it around because of a lot of contacts I had from the from the fanzine and stuff. And right. um, then I moved to a different record store, Slip Disc. Uh, yeah. That's where I um, uh, had another like really fun time with a bunch of really great people s- sitting around listening to music all the time. I was one, yeah, yeah, I was, worked there. I think yeah. I might have taken your job out. Cool. I, yeah, that's I, awesome. I started there in 96, I think. Maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I left there in 92, I think. Yeah, all yeah. right. So, yeah, yep. it was... But that's yeah, that was a great uh, shop, incredible shop. Yeah, yeah, Ron Ron Crawford's an amazing person, and he really also uh, helped me a lot. Um, uh, just personally, like just as a as a boss, he was a really good boss. But also yeah. like with the band, he he yeah. he actually paid for the the second witness demo to get oh, really? recorded right. and, and and duplicated. Um, or I think we paid for the recording and he paid for yeah. the, the duplication. And Is that he, the yellow one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was officially unslipped disc records. Oh, wow, I yeah. didn't realize that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and. Um, he was totally cool about it, you know. He just yeah. once he got his money back, he was happy, and yeah. and um, it also helped to you know get people maybe come to the shop to, because he was the first place that had the the tape. So yeah, we yeah. got a bunch of people bring up, brought yeah. in there to to buy it, and then um, when we ended up recording the album, we you know we sent that out, and uh, Century Media yeah. sent us, uh, you know, they wanted to sign us, and we we signed with them, yeah. um, and. Uh, like the first time I got the, the, the rough mixes back or actually the final mixes, yeah. um, it was in that store. And one of my friends, Bob, um, well, um, Robbie from Brown, yeah. he, he was actually in the store and, and, uh, he listened to the whole album yeah. <laughs> sitting yeah. in the back of the store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that I felt really good about, you know, <laughs> uh, just going through that process of, of the demo being a demo band and then all of a sudden yeah. we have a full length album and I'm still working at this record store. I get to play it for my, my friends, you know, yeah, yeah. that was cool. And you, you guys were playing hardcore shows and metal shows? Were you yeah, we kind of played a mix. Um, and, uh, it, you know, we never quite fit in perfectly anywhere. So that was um, that was fun and challenging and, and yeah. right in line with the whole mindset from Look Again for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of breaking down barriers if possible. Um, yeah, we, one of my favorite shows we played was uh, Prong and COC. Um, the channel, right? Yeah, channel. Yeah. Uh, Volta was supposed to play, and they, they dropped off the bill, so we got bumped up. We got our, our set to start later. Yeah. And uh, for, as a result, there were a lot more people there, and that yeah, really yeah. helped us out. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. That was. I think that might have been the first time I saw you. Okay. Yeah. I had work. I was working at Rocket Records. Yep. And uh, Chris, the bass player, used to come in there all the time. Nice. I think he lived in Melrose. Yep. Maybe. Exactly. And uh, he had sort of turned me on to you guys. And nice. So, but yeah, that, that's that's a, that was a great show. Yeah. Speaking of Rocket, that's that was actually the place where we went to get most of our punk rock. Like, um, yeah. almost almost exclusively was Rocket. Um, Nashua. When I, yeah, Nashua. When I was like, whatever. Um, between ages of, uh, you know, late, like 15 and whatever, 20. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, then we come to Boston, but like, I remember talking to Dale at Rocket. Yeah. He was a huge resource. And he's yeah, like, oh, yeah. if you like that one, you like the Misfits? Oh, you should check out this Naked Ray Gun band. Yeah. I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then RR Records and uh, oh, yeah, must and have Lowell. Oh, yeah, yeah. So his, his hours were so weird. Yeah. Uh, we would go down there and, and he had an incredible collection and he had, he's just really knowledgeable. We liked a lot of like, um, people would call it like power electronics or whatever but you mm-hmm. know early industrial noise yeah, and st- yeah. that kind of stuff and uh, experimental music and he turned us on to a ton of stuff yeah. with that but his hours are so weird you have to get there on a thursday between <laughs> like you know one and three right. and then he's just not open any other day because yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he didn't feel like opening up right but that was a, another great place to go get some good music yeah yeah and uh so Witness went on for, you guys did another record after. Yeah, Chrome we did a couple records. The The second record came out actually after our breakup. Um, right. We broke up in 95. And then um, we, we did a couple tours of Europe. That was great. We tour, did one tour with Chromags, one with Leeway. Yeah. Um, hit about 15 countries. That was mm-hmm. a fun time. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so after that band broke up, uh, immediately jumped into playing with Daryl. Um, uh, Daryl Shepard um, yeah. and we also I also was playing with some other folks um, Rob Delaney and Brian McTurnan um, and Jay Canava we uh, we were playing as as Milltown yeah. um, although initially we didn't have Rob we didn't have a drummer for either band but right. I was writing songs with both bands mm-hmm. and um, I got approached by Warner Brothers to to, to sign um, this guy Larry Jacobson yeah. he wanted to um, help me get away from Century Media so we negotiated something, uh, and basically he said, you know, whichever band gets a drummer first, you know, or whoever you want to be on the label, we'll, we'll right. just sign that band. So right. that was really cool. Um, and then uh, Milltown found a drummer first, and we um, we recorded one. I mean, we recorded a bunch with Brian. We did a yeah. bunch of demos with Brian because he was a really good engineer, and I, I wish they would have let us record our album with Brian, but right. they, they didn't want that to happen. So we ended up doing a, a full length. We recorded out at Longview Farm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was a really cool experience. Yeah. Um, uh, that's where, like... Um, I against I was recorded. Yeah, and, um, yeah. it's where uh, the Rolling Stones practiced for "Tattoo You." Oh wow! Um, that was like when they when they played out at uh, what was it called the the bar in Worcester? Um, oh, uh, when the Stones played? There? Yeah, the Stones played. Oh, they did like a surprise thing. Yeah, the, it's because they were practicing at oh, Longview oh, Farm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Um, and. But yeah, so that that was a that was a really good experience. I learned a lot about m- making music and, and recording music, and that um, just um, I like how the record came out. But the the label, quote unquote, typical story, didn't hear a hit. So, right. So we yeah. uh, we scrapped that, and I was a professional musician for about uh, ninety days. <laughs> no, no, maybe maybe three months. Yeah, three yeah. months. We practiced for it. Recorded. We we were out there recording for like a, a month and a half. Yeah. Um, and then I immediately went back to my job at Harvard. I was right. like, that's not the life for me, man. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that record got tied up and it was never well, the thing able is, to um, released or something. To, ma- to make a long story short and not uh, um, open myself up to any lawsuits, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, the engineer that we were working with was uh, uh, pretty much 
in cahoots with the record label yeah. and the, they told us as much yeah um but not necessarily with the people that we were friends with at the, at the record label right so in, in essence um we recorded 18 songs uh, he only mixed 10 yeah. that was the bare minimum to get out of his contract yeah and um when it was time to um he wanted to get paid and he was yeah. supposed to get paid 65 grand yeah. and I only authorized 35 grand because right. I figured he didn't finish his job. So, right, right. you know, so from what I can tell, um, he seems to have made the original tapes disappear. All yeah. my friends that, that were at the label and, and know anything about how to, how to find them. They're just, they're, right. not, they're not in the vaults uh, as uh, far as just completely erased. Yeah, that's so, too bad. Yeah. I mean, that's people are vindictive. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We got, <laughs> we got, um, some, we got dat copies of, of those 10 songs. So that's, yeah. that's sort of like what's been circulating. Yeah. Um, never got it. properly mixed, but yeah, yeah, you can a lot of that stuff's on uh, YouTube, yeah, YouTube and stuff. stuff. Yep, exactly, um, which is good enough. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, by the way, I live right near a fire station. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but so milligram, I didn't realize. So milligram was kind of going on at the same time. As yeah, we wrote uh, my own private Altamont was the first song we wrote together. Yeah. Um, uh, me and Daryl did that an acoustic version. Oh really? I think I have acoustic versions. Oh wow! Somewhere, yeah, yeah. That's never. So that's never been released. Or anything. No, no. Have, it was literally just me and Daryl. So it was kind of. Oh, wow. It's kind of scrappy, that's, you know. That's one of my maybe top five Boston <laughs> songs by a Boston nice. band. Definitely. That's great. Um, so I, I didn't realize it was an acoustic. Yeah. Version. If I find that, I'll, I'll make it. I'll give you a awesome. copy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so the, the, the milligram thing was really fun because it, um, I, I really speaking about going back to work at Harvard, right? I just. Yeah, I just wanted to get away from that whole like professional music yeah. business thing, and it was great to go back to working with with Daryl and you know just so down to earth and and oh, yeah. um, we ended up getting um, Bob Maloney in the band, and that yeah. was awesome, and and getting um, Zeffin in the band that was just incredible. It was like yeah. a really cool unit. Um, at at a, at a certain point, we wanted to make uh, sort of more abrasive music, so yeah. we ended up getting Jeff Turlick on bass. Mm -hmm. um, that worked well, yeah. um, and then um, we put out a couple couple records there. And uh, the um, uh, um, let's see, uh, I guess that was it for yeah. Milligram. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you guys did the uh, on, on the second record. It was the second one had the. Uh, EP with a bunch of covers on it that are that are great. Oh yeah, uh, right. So that well, actually, that was the the first record. Had, okay. Uh, yeah, it was it was the second release of the first record. Yeah. Um, Hello, motherfucker. It had yeah. it had a um, a companion CD originally. Yeah. And then we, it got reissued in France, and everything got put together on one CD. Oh, okay, the, yeah. So there's a red one and the blue one. Yeah. Um, I was happy with those covers. Yeah. Oh yeah. It came out yeah. Well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so both of those bands did reunions too, and uh, Witness and yeah, uh, Witness did a reunion, and Milligram did a reunion. Reunion shows, um, yeah. those went well, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was good. The uh, the the Middle East staff were funny. Um, they were talking about how um, literally two weeks before the Witness show, uh, the Jonas Brothers had played at the Middle East downstairs, <laughs> yeah. and he and that was sold out as well. Yeah, and uh, I think it was um, Dick at yeah. the Middle East, and he was saying uh, that there was literally half the mass of human beings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it was a bunch of, like, 14-year-old girls, but it yeah. was still sold out based yeah, on the yeah. numbers. But for our show, of course, the room was literally full of people. Yeah, yeah. It was hot <laughs> it was a bunch there. of, yeah, 40-year-old yeah. dudes. <laughs> that, was a good, that was a good night. Yeah, it was fun. Um, the, the one I saw. Mm -hmm. And then the, the Milligram mm -hmm. shows were great. I saw you do the Caius reunion out in Worcester. Oh, right. Yeah, that was fun, too. That, yeah. was, a, that was a really good show. Those guys are very nice. Yeah, and then the uh, great Scott one that yep. I saw was great, and that was a good time. Yeah, we um, 
again, again, loved playing with those guys. So yeah. feel very lucky that we got to make that music. Those, those, I think the milligram stuff is some of my favorite that I've ever made, um, mainly because of associations I have with just good friends. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's funny. Uh, I have I have a camp up in Vermont, and mm-hmm. um, Zeff ended up uh, getting some land up there too, and he he just moved up there. He's about twenty minutes away. We're, oh wow. We're both pretty much next to the Canadian border up there. Oh, nice. Oh, that far up. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, and you uh, did a, a label called Tractor 7 for, yeah. for a little bit. Yep, Tractor 7 was fun. Definitely yeah. um, uh, the brainchild of Mario Travers, uh, mm. the guitar player for Raw Raider War. Um, he uh, got a... Uh, uh, he wanted to have a record label, yeah. and uh, Frank from uh, Pino Brothers Inc. Uh, had some uh, money he wanted to use to help promote his his shop. So he's yeah. like, "Let's do a record label." And nice. um, initially, I wanted to do it all vinyl. I wish w- I wish we could have done that, but people yeah. wanted to put out some CDs and stuff. So, but we ended up doing some some really good records: Lamont and Crash and Burn. Put out a milligram on there. Yeah. Um, a few other things. Came, um, Throttle was one of our later releases. Um, really Black happy Tail. with what's that? Blacktail. Yeah, Blacktail. Yeah, yeah, I love that yeah, record. Yeah, yeah. totally. And we had, we had a compilation I was really happy about. That's, that's the one thing I want to make sure it gets onto YouTube. I, I had been holding off on it because I was hoping all the different bands would just do it on their own. But right. I, uh, I've been bugged by a few people saying, hey, how can we put all, put all that Tractor 7 stuff up on the web? I was like, yeah. well, you guys owned it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right. I didn't want to presume. But uh, I've had n- enough requests that I think I might just do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then you have your current band still is uh, Raw yep. Radar Raw Radar War, yeah. been around for a while now. Yeah, we um, were... <laughs> it's been taking us a long time because of <laughs> many tribulations in everybody's lives. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, uh, it's 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 going well, and um, I'm really really happy with how it's coming together. We're going to have a session uh, coming up soon on on which um, Glenn from Temporary Insanity is going to sing on oh, a really? couple songs, and oh, nice. uh, um, uh, Ben from Sam Black Church is going to play guitar on a couple songs. Too. Oh wow! So nice. just yeah, nice to have old friends collaborate. Yeah, know. yeah, and that's that's sort of what I always sort of felt. That's what. Roar Wayne Our War is yeah. like a group of like really close friends yes. that's just been just doing this music and yep, at exactly. your own at your own pace. And yeah, uh, we, most of us met while we were teenagers, and yeah. uh, like we we have been friends, you know, in some configuration or another. Yeah, yeah. all this time, and uh, it's just great to you know, it's mostly just getting together, play some music, and you know, enjoy the company of people that are like minded. And yeah, yeah. Uh, when we do play a show, it's like not an ordeal, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not that not that it was always an ordeal with other bands, but sometimes when you're playing with with people that are not necessarily your they weren't friends first. Right. It's right. a little bit more complex. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are kind of selective about shows. We are definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's there, there are a lot of bands that just pl- they like to play all the time. Yeah. We're definitely yeah. not one of those bands. I'd rather make it a, a, a special occasion. Yeah. Kind of definitely. Event. Yeah. Um, the last time we played was uh, with Crom, and we'd, we'd been waiting to play with Crom for, for yeah. years and years. And yeah. they, they were, ex- it was like hanging out with brothers. It was, yeah. such, yeah. they were such good people. Yeah. Um, and that band is, is, I, when I think about all the the music that you've made, yeah, seems like the angriest of it definitely of is, all yeah. them. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, you know, if you, if a person I think have put your discography, uh-huh. they would maybe think it went. It almost goes backwards yeah. if you think about it. So yeah. I and like that too. I, yeah, yeah, I'm really it's, happy it's, with the with that that trajectory uh, because it's yeah it's it's uh, vocally it's not necessarily as easy to to um, well in, in certain ways it's harder to sing yeah in certain ways it's harder to scream right but um, it, it's certainly for me is easier to just make it percussive and not yeah. have to worry about where the note is landing yeah 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 pitch isn't as much of an issue yeah uh, so that's why it's fun yeah um, just make some you know, blasting noise. Yeah. Um, I am in a new band, uh, uh, that doesn't have a name and that's much more melodic, which is also satisfying. Yeah. Um, it's with, uh, Glenn, um, 
uh, who used to be on Gang Green. Oh wow! Yeah. All right, Glenn, Glenn Stolfin, nice. And uh, so it's just it's just you two so far. No, no, um, oh. and uh, Johnny from the Scrapes. Yeah. And uh, Mike, who used to be in Scratch, and okay. Uncle Betty, and Apology. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, Apology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gitters. Uh, yeah, exactly. Nice. And so, what what kind of stuff is that? That's uh, I guess kind of post punk um, stuff we've been writing is somewhere between like. Um, I mean, a little bit of Buzzcocks, a little bit of um, Naked Raygun, a little bit of um, Laughing Hyenas. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, maybe some uh, Girls Against Boys influence, that kind of thing. Wire. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. It's uh, it's not nearly as um, uh, you know, heavy as some of the bands I've been in. Yeah. But uh, it's really enjoyable the songwriting and yeah. uh, again, just a bunch of really awesome people that yeah. it's, it's fun to hang out with and yeah, definitely. When we when we when we collaborate, um, it's it's like fluid it's yeah. it's, it's like it's like hanging out with friends instead of being like a job yeah yeah um and so you have music you listen to is there new stuff nowadays that's been moving you at all that, that yeah i mean i hear things every once in a while that i love i um i th- there's this rapper from vermont named jarve i think he's incredible yeah i think he's gonna have a big career but yeah. you know you look at the number of listens he's only got like a thousand plays right, on right. youtube or something like that but i think he's gonna be huge yeah um I mean, as far as contemporary stuff, it's it's difficult to to, to nail it down right now. But yeah. uh, I like a lot of a lot of new stuff. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, of course. Uh, and uh, yeah, so cool. Thanks, All right, man. thanks, man. Yeah.